Card presents Back Issue Bloodpath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. I'm going to tell you a story, and I'm going to ask that you let me finish before you say anything. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. And this week, we are looking at Danger and Other Unknown Risks, a graphic novel by Ryan North and Erica Henderson, two creators that uh, I, I can safely say we're both fans of here. You betcha. Yeah, and uh, it's a graphic novel that came out earlier this year, and uh, we got a chance to uh, check it out. It's funny, I picked it up at the Toronto Comic Arts Festival, and I always forget that Ryan North is not a regular man. He's a giant. So mm-hmm. when you shake his hand, it's like your whole arm is enveloped in his hand. Yeah, it's so, got those. It's all long, like all the extremities got those long getaway sticks. But like very gentle giant. Oh yeah, very gentle yeah. giant. But it's just when I pick up the the danger, another unknown risk graphic novel, holding my hands, I realize it's like about this is about the size of one of Ryan's hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect size for reading or for traveling on transit or in Toronto right now, waiting forever for transit to not come because it's construction season, y'all. Nobody's getting anywhere in any timely fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Fun times. But anyways, let's talk about what this graphic novel is about. Remember the Y2K bug? I do. For those who might have forgotten or might not have been around at that point, as we were leading up to the year 2000 and 1999, there was a a possible bug in all of our computer systems that was going to make the systems think that when it turned over to 2000, that it was not 2000 and that it would be 1900, which would be a mistake in logic for the computers, which would then cause them to crash. As it turned out, that did not happen. But this takes 1999 in a different direction, that in the year 2000, when the clock ticked over, it wasn't the end of technology. It was the beginning of magic being released into the world. Years later, the Earth is transformed. Magic works, kind of. People are happy, sort of, but the new world isn't the same as it was. And to Marguerite de Pruitt and her grandfather, it's something that needs to be saved. And so Marguerite must go on a quest with her dog pal, Daisy, a male dog who is very prominent about the fact that Daisy is a unisex name and can be given to anybody. But hey, it doesn't matter if it's a unisex name or not. You name yourself whatever you want. But anyways, they go on a journey, and they have to get certain relics from the past and from the present to be able to pull off a spell to save the world. And that is the premise that's set up. And so it's basically, it's an adventure story, which kind of harkens back to, like, back in the 80s. Like, half of our films were kind of like this. But they always dealt with, like, mythical lands. But this deals with our land becoming a mythical land, kind of. Yeah. it's a uncle not a grandfather but he's giving grandfather energy. right it is an uncle you're correct. yeah yeah he's got the whole like no snow on the roof but like snowy mustache and glasses and you know kindly old man sweater napping on the couch nodding off using the last of his energy to try to teach the young ward the magic they need but runs out of time and has to send them off on the quest anyway. So mm-hmm. it has all of those tropes. Yeah, it's a uncle 
that we have a lot of questions about what else he's up to. We assume they're secrets, but we're kind of used to as comic book fans, any kind of older parental figure, perhaps poorly recruiting, training, sending young folks off to battle. I'm not just talking about Professor X here also, you know. Well, you, don't you know, actually, like we, we can't blame comic books. Yeah. That's actually, if you yeah. go back through stories for generations, that is kind of like a basic setup of. Yeah. Young yeah, warrior at, trained by old dude or yeah or sent off. down. Look yeah. at you, God allegedly. If you know, good story. The Bible, that whole thing too. That was wild. They were wild for that, just to you know send their child down into a whole mess. Yeah, but their child, their yeah. child had thirty three years before they had to do their job before it really popped off. Yeah, yeah. like so. This this is where we're talking about like a, a teenager here. Yeah, I'm a teenager who's basically spent most of her life training and being told, no, you're doing it wrong and you'll, you're the chosen one, but I can't trust you because you haven't gotten it yet. Basically being given a lot of like tough love energy in her training, which uh, as we have found out over time, most people learn better with positive reinforcement mm-hmm. than with negative energy, but no, she's got to work. She's got to work with negative energy here. And well, that's the thing though. If she was given positive reinforcement, it probably wouldn't be as interesting a story. Let's face it. (laughs) One of the things that I love from almost panel the first is you get the feeling that these two creators have worked together before, which they have. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of trust. A lot of the tell doesn't necessarily have to show. And a lot of the show isn't necessarily part of the tell. So you're getting like the very economical background of you know the world that was and the world that is you're seeing whole other sort of little mini stories the medusa mom is kind of my favorite one of what happens when people whether they are at their core good or bad in the before time get magic and how it can go bad or not or start off good and then break bad Mm. so that part made the expository parts of this a real delight to sail through. Yeah. The characters are really well set up to make their exposition interesting because they themselves are pretty interesting characters. Like North doesn't, he doesn't slack on coming up with good idiosyncrasies for each of his characters, no matter how small. And of course, Erica Henderson is very good at making characters all kind of stand out. Nobody kind of has a sameness. Like everything is Erica's distinct style, but within it, no two people look 100% the same unless there's a reason for them to. And because of this, it's a quick read. Like it is like 200 and something pages. It's yeah, it's over 200 pages, but you wouldn't know it. Like you just breeze through it. It's like when you sit down to watch like a two hour movie, if it's really good, it'll feel like it's like 90 minutes, you know? And that's what this kind of case as well is that it's, it's a really tight read because they don't try to like reinvent the wheel here. They take the idea of a quest looking for a series of MacGuffins and putting them together to make the deal. Now, of course, there are tweaks to the story and uh, the outcome is not exactly the same as most events with a quest in them, but the framework is very, very traditional, in my opinion. Yeah, including you meet foes who 
maybe could turn out to be friends and vice versa along the way. You're looking for objects, there's shenanigans, you have, you know, your companion, all of that. Like, like and, it would play, it would be a pretty tight video game. It yeah. Would. And, and they even overtly mention Dungeons and Dragons at certain points where you have healer moments, like you only know one spell, but it can do different things at different places. Mm-hmm. It is really something for every nerd or non-nerd. Yes, because also it's, it's yeah. a coming-of-age story. It's about a girl finding basically the ability to stand on her own two feet, to take the things she's learned and the things she hasn't learned and let it inform her about the person she has become. And, you know, she also gets to have, you know, the first instance of, you know, romance, which she has not experienced before, which is always one of the major parts of a coming-of-age story. And, and I don't want to spoil the name of her love interest, but it's hilarious. If you, yeah. <laughs> if you followed another popular franchise, I was like, did they? Like, I love you for that. That's so good. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah. And so because of that, I feel like Marguerite is a very easily likable character. You just want to see her win. You want to see her win. You want to see her get the things she's looking for because she's got that can do attitude, but she's not like overly like, super positive she has the foe trying to look like she knows she's doing when she doesn't sort of thing which is like that's most teenagers that i meet that they they, they're like no i got this but then deep down inside they're like oh shit what am i doing here so yeah like the character hits all the right levels and playing off of most adorable dog i was about to say yeah playing off a dog yeah and it's a talking dog and talking dogs are always fun, in my opinion. And this talking dog, kind of in my mind, I pictured like Kelsey Grammer if he got kicked in the head a few times. That's kind of <laughs> like Frasier. Frasier if he got kicked in the head a few times. Like, okay. If Frasier was dumb, that's kind of how I felt. I was still thinking something that sounded younger, but still had like a bit of a rasp. Sort okay. of like you and our friend, Mr. Johnson. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. You know who would have been the young Simba, Jason Weaver. So okay. the guy who did the singing voice of Simba, the black okay. kid. Okay. In the original, like that kind of voice. The one who's saying, I just can't wait to be king. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's well, that's really, that's, that's a lot younger than I pictured. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> But See, I, he I had was, a he had a good little rasp in his voice even when he's young. That actually true. But you see, the reason why I yeah. picture older is just because you know dogs, they age faster, right? So that's why in my head, older voice coming out of this dog because it didn't look it doesn't it's not a puppy, it's definitely not a puppy. So you know that's but to each their own. We're allowed to hear whatever voice we want when we read exactly. this fucking book. Yeah, <laughs> maybe when he was a little like he was also the friend on uh, the WB show Smart Guy. So sort of like that other kid who'd be telling like the optimistic kid, like, okay, like we need to be a little more tactical here. After a certain period, I did not watch those shows anymore. And so I know, but my sister and brother did. So I know the family. I didn't realize any of them had friends because in my head, it's always just, it's the brother, it's the sister. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you would have seen him anything. He was also one of the, the guys on drumline with, uh, Nick Cannon. And yeah, I definitely, I've nev- you Drumline. know, I can honestly say I've never seen any <laughs> Nick Cannon projects. Drumline is really good. I don't doubt it. It's just something yeah. that I was not yeah. in my like 
view at the time, right? Like yeah. that was what, 2000? Yeah, around there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's really good though. So. Yeah, Zoe Saldana. Yeah, before she decided I'm going to just be in every single billion dollar movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she well, plays like a uh, like a majorette, so gets to use her dance background. So maybe that could appeal to you. There you the idea go. of there a you go. young Zoe Saldana in like a, a spangly cream bodysuit dancing. I wonder if they do a follow-up to Danger and Other Unknown Risks, if Ryan North will pull anything from Drumline and put it in the story. Because I don't know. It appears to hold the cultural zeitgeist here. All right. It really does. So, <laughs> listeners, if you've been with us a while, tangents happen. But back to... <laughs> <laughs> this great story, which there's a sort of two thirds of the way through the what we're getting towards is finding out. And I'm really I don't want to spoil this one because it's still pretty new. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to give up everything that happens in the last act. But we do start to confront is the world that we have now, while it's different and people have had to adjust. Is it something we need to be saved from or is it something we need to adjust to? Should we be trying to make the world not magic again? Or should we learn to adjust with the times? And that's, I felt that they did a really good job with that theme. Because, of course, magic is standing in for all the things that has changed in the world over the past 20 years. And how we've progressed in certain ways. And some people have been afraid of that. And I thought that they did a really good job of presenting that without hitting you over the head with it. Like, I very, feel like, yeah. very subtle. Like, kids could read this, young adults, and not see any of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, because to me, it definitely said to me, it's like, oh, yeah, really, this is talking about equality of sexual orientation. This is talking about different movements in, you know, economically and the different parts of the world, like how we're, how business is changing, how the world is changing, how the youth that have, you know, the millennials and the, uh, you know, the younger Gen Xers have kind of changed things to the way from the baby boomers have done it. Like all that sort of stuff is there. Yeah. But you could ignore that if you wanted to. Yeah. Like, how, I, if you're a certain age, you legitimately cannot remember a time before Google. Yeah. So the fact that Things like electricity and other things aren't available except for in some areas where they figured out workarounds, but it's still kind of magic-y. It's okay to only know how to operate in this new world. And that doesn't necessarily have to be seen as something that needs to be changed. Yeah, yeah. I think the other thing they did a good job of, again, putting in there subtly without banging over the head with it, is the idea of consequences of actions. And so the use of magic here, of course, comes at a price. And the way that people deal with it is different. And so, again, it does kind of harken back to the idea of, like, you know, many hands make light work. And, you know, it takes a village sort of type mentalities as opposed to the very capitalist idea of I'm going to get mine. And that's in there. Versus together, we can all have ours. Exactly. With a a small investment from everyone. Exactly. So, yes. So the needs of the many versus the needs of the one. Yeah. See also Gardens of the Galaxy, the first dance-off hand-holding. There you go. There you go. Dance-off, bro. Right there. Yeah. It's um, one of my favorite moments, though, is early on as they're traveling through the different kind of 
parts of the map on the quest and again very D-ish smells like smoke hops questionable sausage and in that the most adorable dog ever eats like mouth open tongue hanging yeah. out and i want to say desperation <gasps> a tavern <laughs> i felt seen i felt appreciate i felt kind of like i did the first time i walked into a bar after lockdown sort of like that good bad like did i miss the smell i think i did miss the smell even though it's not necessarily like a good smell but it's it's a smell that i missed it's a hearty smell that's what yeah. it is it's a very hearty yeah. smell also the other thing i like you know, we talked about the mechanic of the fact that whatever land she's in the one spell she knows does something different and there's that one point where they get there and she can make things a little bit cooler like that's not like everywhere but just a certain spot a little bit cooler and like daisy's like well how's that gonna help but then later on it really helps out daisy <laughs> so. yeah yeah the moistening one was just <laughs> I'm glad I got that out of the way early. <laughs> this was just fun. That's what it really comes down to is that it's like, the, you know how sometimes, you know, we come here, we say, oh, we like this, but this is the one thing that kind of stuck out for me that I wasn't hugest fan of. This is kind of a no notes situation. This is like they gave us a fun adventure that had a message that was important, but wasn't preachy they gave us characters that we could follow enjoy and believe in they for you know the little the people our age and above they gave us the memory of y2k yeah <laughs> for people that don't remember y2k it's very relatable in terms of them having people sort of 23 years and older talking to them about stuff that they don't remember yeah. Screeching that AOL sound at them occasionally to try to explain what it was like logging on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, people that partied like it was 1999. Definitely. Yeah. Like really no notes. Like it's, it's a tiny font, but like surprisingly readable for my old lady eyes. Like just, yeah, all good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, this is definitely a lot of fun. I, you know, it's great standalone on its own, but if, Ryan North and Erica Anderson decide that they want to revisit this story, this universe. I could be into that. And and there's definitely a mechanic in there where you could visit it a few times. Yes. Yes, there is. Also, I am going to, like, this is the one thing I am going to say, is that I felt that Ryan North was a bit too harsh on the idea of the man cave. Mm -hmm. Not all man caves are used in that way. Sometimes a man cave is is called a man cave just because the significant other who happens to not be a man says, Hey, I don't want all your crap all over the house. Could you put it in this room? And that becomes the man cave. This version of the man cave is the evil version of the man cave. That's uh kind of, it has a very connected feeling to like maybe very, I'm going to say right leaning people <laughs> as a, as a cave dweller myself. I will say I understand the need to be occasionally encouraged to leave the cave. Yes, I understand that. Yeah. Yes, yes, because you are reporting right now from the lady cave. So yes, yes, my my pink room that's full of comic books and video games and multiple game systems. 
Right now, it's looking pretty good, the cave. Mm-hmm. Cleaner than it normally is. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I had guests. <laughs> yeah, that was just my one my one comment because it's okay. like... I felt attacked, but I felt like it was justified because sometimes I could stay in here for like a really long time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, you're right, you're right. <laughs> Definitely worth checking out. Um, again, I think you pretty much get it wherever comics are sold. One of the big hits of 2023 for us. You betcha. I'm sure it'll be on one of our many year-end lists when we get there. There we go. Yeah. All right. So we've come to the end of this episode of Back Issue Bloodbath. Petula, where can the good folks find you? At Inatif.com, on Twitter, Hive, Spoutable, TikTok, Instagram, at Obesacantawit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T, and here with you. I felt like you were inspired to do a cheerleading motif this time. <laughs> It was more like a stretch, try not to burp because we're right at the end, but yeah, sure. Well, yeah, you, well, you made yeah. it very coordinated to be like a cheer. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> you can, of course, find everything I do over at geekartshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at geekart. Follow me on Instagram at Andrew underscore of underscore geek underscore hard. You can follow this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath, where we post the new episode every week. But the easiest way to make sure you don't miss an episode is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. You know you want to, folks. It just makes life easier. Makes your life easier. Makes my life easier. And that's what we want. We want life to be easier for everybody. Just want to kick back and talk about comics. This has been Back to Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Petula Neal. Have yourself a good.